are tuning into the box office boys. Tell your papa. Box Office Boys. I'm Victor. And I'm Tony. And uh, thanks for tuning in again. This is our review of 8th Grade from director and comedian Bo Burnham. A lovely man who's actually the fourth Box Office Boy, little known fact. And that's purely based on the fact that his name spells out B-O-B. Yes. We're the B-O-Boys. He is the fourth B.O. boy. And so because of that, he is at any time welcome onto the show. Just hit us up, man. You, you, you Bowboys Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Bo you, Burnham, if you're listening to this. You, you know you know us. I saw you on H3 Podcast and honestly, you know, you, you could do better. You could, you, you got us, so. Yeah, it's like, it's like. We're, we're pretty much what we're giving you right now, Mister Burnham, is the chance to redeem yourself. Yeah, because um, you know, what is the H three podcast really? They don't. They don't have. They they don't have bo. <laughs> <laughs> what what do they have that that we don't? They have listeners. <laughs> Eighth grade uh, came out in early 2018. Uh, it's the story of 13-year-old Kayla. 13-year-old Kayla endures the tidal wave of contemporary suburban adolescence as she makes her way through the last week of middle school, the end of her thus far disastrous eighth grade year before she begins high school. Yeah. Now, this is probably my favorite movie so far of 2018. And 2018's been a pretty decent year. Yeah. I mean, you, you said... You you saw Hereditary when that came out. I did, and you really liked that. That was a really great movie. It's terrifying. I yeah. would definitely recommend it if you're if you're looking for, uh, like, not, you know, your paranormal activity. You know, so some spooks and frights. I'm talking about soul crushing dread. If you want that, it's Hereditary. But eighth grade is very different. Yeah. Um. So, we've actually been, uh pretty dedicated followers of Bo Burnham for a long time now. Um, I remember we both watched Make Happy that when it came out that summer, and that was very good. And I really liked that, that special because uh, he seemed to touch on a very, just, just a very unique perspective that he has with anxiety being in a place of, being in the spot of a performer. I read some interviews when that special came out where he said that he didn't understand why other people seemed to connect with it. Right. And I was also kind of confused as to why he didn't think that way either. Um, but he has since stated that he's learned that as much as that perspective or his circumstance was unique at the time, um, being a performer, being alone on, on the road, um, which he thought 
kind of fostered his anxiety, he came to a realization when making this movie that it's as if everyone's a performer. Everyone goes through the same anxieties, all the same struggles with that. It's just the, the circumstance doesn't matter. Everyone has those same thoughts and feelings. So I thought that perspective, that new perspective he has was really interesting going into this movie and seeing how he'd represent that, especially in the topic of middle school, because it's such a an uncomfortable time in everyone's lives. And I just think it's a it's an idea that not a lot of people tackle very well. I, I thought it was such a perfect place for Bo Burnham to set his sights on when he decided to make a movie. You know, like, Bo Burnham, he, he, he has this awkward persona that he puts on. Like, honestly, his onstage awkwardness, probably 99% of it isn't even him acting, you know. it's mm-hmm. He's just kind of an awkward guy, it seems. Uh, and not in a bad way. He... he makes it a part of the show when he does his stand-up you know it's 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 part of his his the joke that he's kind of an awkward guy right but you're right that middle school is like the most uncomfortable time to think about to look at i think we've talked about this on the show before even on the on a previous podcast we talked about how middle school is just the worst time in a human being's life Mm -hmm. um bo burnham is one of my favorite entertainment uh, entertainers because it's been so interesting seeing his career he started off in 2006 just making these little home videos on youtube these funny songs yeah and he's still a really young guy he's only 27 and he's jumping into stuff like writing and directing feature films mm-hmm. and they're incredible like this was such a great debut yeah and i think it's it's easy to to see why he's able to arrive at this um at this position so young because He's clearly a really smart guy, and I think he's very self-aware, and he learns from uh, his his past work and his his experience with with his circumstance, and that bleeds into his work now, and it just shows like this constantly growing maturity that he has. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If you look at all of his work in in order, you know, with uh, all of his music that he had on YouTube to his two comedy specials and now 8th grade, each of them encapsulate a time in his life. If you look at that, you can see Bo Burnham himself growing. And in a way, that's what 8th grade is. 8th grade is the film equivalent of a time capsule. Like, that's a motif in the movie. Um, Starting now, we're probably going to be spoiling some stuff, so real quick... Highly recommend the movie. Like I said, it's my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, it's so definitely good. go check it out, but I might spoil some things. I'm just going to put we'll that out probably there. spoil. So the whole, like, there's, it's it's a theme that comes up a lot in the movie. And from the very first second, uh, when the kid in the assembly yells, LeBron James, <laughs> and the teacher talks about how, okay, now's when they're going to open your time capsule and see what sixth grade you left for you. Yeah. That's when I understood what this movie was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, in that moment, when the teacher walks out and he dabs, yeah. some could say, oh, oh, that's going to date the movie. Like, I, I but that's, that's the, point. the point. Exactly. That's the exact point of the movie, is this is a time capsule of what it's like to be a middle schooler. And not just a middle schooler 
in general, a middle schooler in 2018. Yeah. It's a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, people often strive to make their films timeless. Bo Burnham is actively doing the opposite. He's saying this is what it's like in this specific, it's a slice of time, and he's capturing it. Right. And he's, you know, shining a spotlight on that. And I find that interesting because you can see that really in the rest of his work. All of his work encapsulates something about himself at that time. Mm-hmm. I was very surprised at how much Bo's, I guess not surprised, pleasantly, you know, happy to see that, like, Bo's uh, creative voice completely shunned through in this movie. You could tell that this was Bo. Like, his humor and his way of looking at the world was very apparent in this film. Right. Like, the scenes, oh, the scene where at the pool party, they're playing, like, this horror movie-type music, and there's just shots of these kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> like spitting water out of their mouth and like crawling around and just being stupid and there's just this terrifying music set like this anxiety setting yeah. in i really like that that how that just plays throughout the whole movie where you have this really dramatic intense music behind what you know from an outside perspective are seemingly mundane things like just a pool party yeah and it, it you have all this frightening music but it really captures, I think, what really is that that anxious feeling that you get in those situations as not even just an eighth grader, but like as even an adult, the, that like tense butterfly feeling. And I think that weird uh, juxtaposition uh, really represented that really well. Yeah, like in his stand-up specials, he will often make that that'll be the butt of a joke or or that'll be the the crux of a joke kind of he will have a mundane event like if you've seen uh, make happy the scene where he's like this is what it's like to make a peanut butter sandwich while you're drunk or while you're high yeah like you remember that bit Mm -hmm. and he's like there's this music blaring and he's doing these things and it's a very mundane thing but he's seeing it through the lens of a performer and that's what i think really sums up bo burnham's voice Mm -hmm. and his take on the world because he's been a performer his entire adult life. And what that means is that he sees the world as a performer. Right. And so when he sees the anxiety that a kid's the kid feels during a pool party, which I'm sure he's experienced, and I'm sure a lot of us has experienced, but when he sees that, he doesn't just see a kid being anxious. He sees a kid who is might as well be in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And he plays that up because that's how he sees the world. He's a performer. He's yeah. an entertainer. But I think he also sees those kids going through that anxiety as a form of performing, like you're performing for everyone around you mm-hmm. um, because those anxieties are very well based on how you think people perceive you. And I think, yeah, in this movie, he does provide everyone that lens and kind of gives people that look back into that lens. One thing that I'm really curious about that I want to know from people who, if you're listening to this from the United States, this is just a genuine question, because everything in this movie was portrayed very, very realistically. It was meant to be like, this is the way people talk, the way people act. This is what eighth grade is like right now. And so my question is, was that um, school shooter drill thing? something that you guys actually do because 
like lockdowns, like when you shut off the lights and you hide under your desk. I've done that. We've done that. That's relatable. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's that's. But but that that was like like to me that's weird, and to me that was the only thing in this movie that wasn't relatable. Yeah, it but, felt like a very big stretch. But I'm just is that actually what you guys? Because I feel like it would be. Because if Bo is like um, try, like everything in this movie was realistic, none of it was exaggerated or done for a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, I f- I feel like that would have been one that that feels so ridiculous to me that. It can't have been real. To have someone dress up as a shooter, I feel like that was just really pushing that, that like, the the principal character yeah. as, like, just this out of, like, out of world, out of touch being. Yeah. That was just like, okay, this is the best way to deal with school shooters. But do you guys have school shooter? I don't know who I'm asking you. My, <laughs> do you guys have school shooters? Hypothetical American viewer. Did you have school... F- yeah, so, sorry, <clears throat> Steven's just leaving the studio. Yeah, alright, right. bye Steve, see you soon. Man, Steven's been so quiet so lately. He just doesn't, he, he's sitting, he was sitting right beside us. Yeah, we'll cut this out, but let's just, yeah. why does he just sit there? I don't know. He didn't help us set up the mics, he just stared at us. Yeah, he doesn't, why is he, okay, why is he here? Why do we keep him around? Like, I I get that, like... He's on payroll, right? I know, there's, like, issues with his family and whatever, but it's just kind of... Fuck, I don't know. Okay, well, whatever. We'll just move on. Where were we? Um, talking about the, the school shooting. <laughs> I actually, um... Do they have school shooter drills? That's my that's my yeah. main question. Like, I maybe it's, it's definitely, to some extent, exaggerated in the film, but I have never experienced in middle school or high school a drill specifically for school shooters. Like, I've had lockdown drills uh, that tell you what to do if a goose breaks in, right? Mm-hmm. But I've never had a teacher tell me if I'm in the hall. But I th- I think it's it's kind of just meant to be... That part was meant to be a product of the how times are now when you do have... When, it, when the school shootings are topical. Right. Like, when we were in middle school... We weren't hearing about that, or that stuff wasn't really happening, you know? But, um, I think, I mean, that, that kind of, that scene kind of struck a chord with me because we've had these school shootings in the past few years. So, um, it could have just been a ridiculous, like, callback to those moments. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just very curious. If there's, I, the person who was... Okay, I, I do want to bring up the acting because I think Elsie Fisher was she was incredible, amazing as Kayla, um, and you know everyone else was really great too. But she was the star, and I think like even the, like the tiniest mannerisms, like the the tiniest things, make it really I don't know immersive, isn't the word, but like it really brings you back to that time, like when the principal is like stumbling on his words. And he's like, um, but so. It's like the yeah. I don't know what what about that. Well, there's a way to, so... but there's a way to do that that feels contrived and forced. But this movie somehow made it feel like he was just pointing a camera at a school at, assembly. At a school assembly, and in a lot of ways, that's actually what happened because they shot in a real school. They used real students from that school. 
They used real teachers and staff from that yeah, school. Real 13-year-olds. So I guess it looks that way because it is that way. Yeah. <laughs> but but still, it the effect that Bo Burnham pulled off by doing that was incredible. It was just so realistic. The way she talks in her videos, where she starts off with, hey, this is the topic of my video, and then yeah. by the end of the video, she said nothing. Yeah, she said <laughs> but, nothing, and it's always like, but like, and it's, yeah, whatever. And she says that, like, 20 times, and you're like, okay, this video just went nowhere. And that was a common, th- like, through, uh, through line in the movie. She keeps stumbling on her words... And giving these speeches that in her head are probably very powerful and pack a punch. Like at the end, she'll say this... She'll stutter and stumble through this long speech in her head that she wants to say to these um, popular girls at the school. And then she'll walk away from that. And as the audience, you're like, you fucking bombed that. But she'll walk away and she'll have a smile. Like she'll smile to herself as if, you know, she's really proud of herself. And she is. And that's what I really like about it is... She's in this movie. She's learning to be herself, right? And learning to to be comfortable with that. It's not what other people think. Yeah. Yeah, I think her acting really played well to that, and um, she, I think I saw. Um, this isn't the goal for like every movie, obviously, but I saw a lot of myself, mm-hmm. not even just like, as a middle schooler. But even, like, through the last few years, I see, like, her the way maybe she was written to, but also, like, her act, like, visually her acting, I could see myself in that a lot mm-hmm. of times. Like, the way y- the thought process works when you're trying to, you know, trying to approach this group of people or trying to talk to this one person that you're not sure how to approach. And... It wasn't uncomfortable, but I think it was it was just really surreal to see it so accurately portrayed. It's so her. raw. Yeah. Yeah, like there's no layer of, oh, but this is a movie, and there's no polish there. Mm-hmm. Like the way she's talking to, what her, what's her name, Kennedy? Yeah. And halfway through the conversation, she turns to her friend, Oh hey, yeah. uh, whatever the other girl's name is, as if like pretending she didn't notice she was standing there for the past two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very relatable, you know, yeah. for awkward kids to do. That's something I think everyone can resonate with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it is uncomfortable though. This whole movie was uncomfortable, uh, but in a way that was very, very, very well intentioned. Right. It was like weaponized discomfort. Mm-hmm. Like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I think a big. Part of how that uncomfortable atmosphere was created was also how sparingly the music was used. Yeah. Because in a lot of these moments, it was just nothing in the background. Mm-hmm. All you got, like you said, is very raw. Just like, just face to face and her trying to communicate, trying you, to work through it. It made you just sit there and... And experience it with her yeah you know you you weren't there's no music there to make you feel like you're an audience member the bo burnham puts you right beside kayla and i mean that i think is a really good segue into um the fucking pedophile truth or dare scene dude that <laughs> we both like squirmed in our seats that entire yeah all of it like you me like even steven were just like we shrank down into our seats 
when we watched that in the theater. And if you guys have seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's one of the most uncomfortable scenes I've seen in, like, all year. In yeah. And I've seen Hereditary. So, again, if you've seen Hereditary, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this this almost made me more uncomfortable than that. Yeah. In, in a different way, of course. And, God, that was just so, so uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking the way that she was apologizing after. Exactly. Because she didn't really understand the full extent of what happened, so... I think that that's, like, a big turning point in that movie because... And I felt it a lot where she... She was clearly not in the wrong there. No. But she feels like because she was involved in this uncomfortable situation, it must have been her. And Bo talked about this in uh, an interview that he did, a Q&A session after one of the screenings of the movie. Um, and I think what he said was very, very important for a lot of people to hear, which was people were like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm so glad it didn't get any worse than that. Like... What a relief, you know, she got she got out of it, you know, he didn't escalate things, um, she wasn't sexually assaulted. And Bo responded to that by saying, well, even though it didn't quote-unquote go any further, this was still a traumatic thing for her. The effect was still there. Like, like for the rest of her life, she may think that she did something wrong then. Like, this has a lasting impact. Um, it doesn't have to be physical for it to be wrong deeply wrong and deeply traumatic and i think uh, this movie showed it in a very 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 un unadulterated you know way yeah i find it like so many that that was just one (sighs) of like hard to watch yeah that was just one of so many events in that movie but i just feel like the way that's presented it's it's interesting that that really isn't in the way she responds Uh it's very much the same as most of the other things that happen in the movie. Yeah. Where it she we're basically just being taken through all these different sequenced events mm-hmm. and seeing her response. And we we see we see that in that like close to rape scene or just her talking with a guy she likes. Yeah. That it's almost in each moment it's it has just as much of an impact. Yeah. And I think that really represents really well how how severe the anxiety can get when you just think that it's not on anyone else and it's just on you. Mm-hmm. And you think you, you don't have that perception of how other people see you and you're just thinking about like what they might think. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those movies that would be really eye-opening to older folks mm-hmm. who don't understand the struggle. Because, you know, you always hear uh, random straw man old person saying, oh, like, kids these days have it so easy, and then response by a young straw person, <laughs> middle schooler, being like, we have our own struggle. Like, it's a, yeah. it, that's a thing that, you know, it's a, it's a common dialogue between generations. This illustrates it so well. Mm-hmm. Much better than you could explain to some. You could just show them this movie and be like, "This is what the kids these days are going through." But I think they they could they might also see themselves in that, right? Like obviously there are yeah. very modern elements. Well, yeah. If you like, strip away the dabbing and the LeBron James and the Snapchat and the like, deep down it's all the same. Exactly, mm-hmm. and that's why what I really think is really cool is that while this has the veil, the Millennium Veil, like underneath, anyone can relate to this just, like, worry and anxiety 
like it's not just meant for middle schoolers to be like oh yeah that's me oh that's that's me in the assembly dabbing and saying lebron james exactly <laughs> fuck well um, there, yeah well i that's interesting too because there's a bunch of layers that you could relate to this movie from because obviously that might not be the intended um takeaway but a younger viewer watching this movie might literally be oh yo dude i dab yeah and that might be their gateway into relating to the movie right um one thing and this is just a side note but i want to say how relieved i am that the her high school friend olivia didn't turn out to be like a bitch although it turned out it turned out to be worse because of the this the truth or dare scene that led right after that Mm -hmm. which Bo really plays with your expectations there because I don't know about you, but I was waiting for the moment that she turned out to be like, she like turned, like turned on Kayla Mm. kind of, because it's like this, this older kid is being way too nice to her. Yeah. Is she like setting her up to like bully her or something? But then she leaves and then I'm like, okay, that was a wholesome interaction. Everything's good. And then this fucking pedophile Mm -hmm. just, oh God. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I, I, I was, that crossed my mind because I think, like, I think that would have been, that would have detracted a bit from the, the point anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that, um, I mean, like, I guess I was never in that situation where I had, where I shadowed someone in high school or something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if I did, I just didn't talk to them. But, but I mean, like, that to me... Like, if, if Olivia had turned out to be, like, a bitch or whatever and be rude to Kayla, that, to me, is what I think a lesser movie would have done. Yeah. Because like, it, I, yeah. I don't think it adds to anything. No. no. Like, this this really was something that, like, like you said, it just it plays with your expectations. Because it, it, it just... It doesn't go for... And I would not have guessed that, that pedophile thing. Uh, like, that, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it overall did a really good job of, to take that frame of anxiety and apply it to something a lot more serious and dark. And dark. Yeah. Um, quick shout out to Kayla's dad. Josh Hamilton. Who was, that was such a, like a beautiful portrayal of a single father. Right. Yeah. And that's not something you see a lot in movies. Yeah. Or, or in media. There's a really nice B plot, um, kind of B plot. I I don't know, but it's like the, the way Kayla interacts with her dad. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who's a single father, and I f- I really think that also hit home to me. That campfire, like the talk at the end, the speech that her dad gave, was so unpolished, but meant so much to me. Right. It's it's something you could I think most people could see their own parents saying to them, you know he he didn't say it like a Shakespearean, you know as if it was reading it off of a screenplay or something. It still felt very parental. It felt so real. It felt like a parent, and there's a lot of times where he interrupts himself to be like, look, I'm not just saying this. Yeah, like, and he's, he's, he interrupts himself to say like, oh, because I love you. Or and he you repeats know. himself like it really feels like he's trying his best to express himself. Right. And that's kind of a theme throughout the whole movie is people 
struggle and stumble trying to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just trying to express themselves, yeah. but they're doing a shit job of it because that's what you know that time in your life is like. And especially when it's a parent trying to communicate with this very uh, tumultuous, angsty, angsty middle schooler, you need to make sure you're you're treading the waters right without triggering anything, you know? And I think that that was, like, portrayed so well. Yeah, her relationship with her dad is so realistic, the way that she will just say these ridiculous requests. Right. And you get where she's coming from, because you've been a middle schooler before, but as, you know, an adult, you feel so bad for her dad, because her dad's just... You don't see his face, and it's on purpose that the camera doesn't show his face. You just... It's a close-up on... um, It's a close-up on Elsie Fisher... But she's just like, don't make that face when you're driving. Yeah. Like, don't be weird. And he's just like, what, what do you mean? And then she's just like... Just be just quiet. Don't... Like, don't be weird and quiet. Just yeah. be quiet. Like, I'm guilty and... of that, like, not even in fucking middle school. There have been yeah. moments where I've just like, I don't even know why I'm saying it. Yeah. It's just like being really anxious about something, but you channel it into something else where you're just like, oh, it must be the fact that my my, <laughs> my dad's making a, a, weird, a weird face. A weird face while driving. I I think he captures that perfectly because you follow Kayla through this and you can see that she's kind of projecting a different problem or a different anxiety onto her father. Right. Like, her father's never... The poor guy's just sitting there. And because she's anxious about hanging out with these high schoolers or, like, going to the pool party, because of those anxieties, she, like, channels it towards her father. And it's just like, Dad, stop driving weird. Like, stop being that weird face. Right. And I think that's super relatable. Um, we've all been assholes in middle school. Yeah. Uh, unreasonable little twats. Um, and she plays it very well because I'm still shocked that she was able to, and Bo Burnham in writing this, was able to pull off a very realistic, true to life middle schooler, you know, annoying quirks and all. And I didn't hate them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because I hate real middle schoolers, myself included, when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, but I'm just so surprised that there was enough of uh, seeing every side of it that you end up really liking Kayla and being on her side throughout the whole movie. Because I think you, you see Kayla through... Uh, not You're not just observing, you're experiencing her thought process, mm-hmm. her the way that she approaches situations... And from an outsider's perspective, you know, every, anyone looks on, looks at, it, it takes a while to break through that shallow barrier, right? It's like, like I, I was, a couple months ago, I was fucking around on Tinder again. And it's really easy to just like, you know, you, you see all these people and it's just like, whatever, fucking whatever, whatever. Yeah. And then when you really stop and think that like, wow, these are people with issues and problems that they're they're they have goals and dreams exactly and you're just swiping them off screen yeah yeah, yeah definitely and it's, it's like you apply that same thought with when you you're observing middle schoolers and you're like these kids suck yeah but i mean there's a word for that it's the the realization that people you pass by on the street have lives that are also very vivid and you know they have their own issues and they have their own goals and dreams in life um it's called sonder but i don't know oh i think i I think you've brought that up before Uh, well 
Because I don't think it's like... I don't even know if it's in the dictionary or if it's like something that someone on Tumblr made and then put on like a edgy looking background and then it just caught on. But <laughs> maybe I think it is just that. Yeah. Cause I, I don't like when I look it up, I don't see any deep etymology to, Oh, it's uh, from the Latin root. You know, like there's, it seems like someone just fucking made it up. But to yeah. me, that's fine because this is a word that really encapsulates a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. Is just realizing, oh shit, these people that I'm swiping, they're people. Right. So, as the story progresses, there's this interesting thing that I think Bo's going for, where every time she's put into a social situation or an interaction, there's always this intangible disconnect. Something's off, you know? Yeah. And... She doesn't want to talk to her dad about it. She's mad. She lashes out at her dad and she's like, this is terrible. Like that fucking <laughs> stupid boy in school that she keeps looking at who's just like yeah. uh, in class looking like a Rufus Rockhead. And and every single situation escalating up to the, the truth or dare scene, there's always this disconnect. Something isn't clicking until you get to the last scene with her and Gabe. And that scene, it's cringy because they're talking about Rick, Rick and Morty, <laughs> but it's cringy in a way that is self-aware. Yeah. And I don't know if you felt this, but this is what I took from that scene. Every scene leading up to that, there was this disconnect. Like, there were scenes where it was a close-up of Elsie Fisher, people are talking around her, and she's just timidly saying, oh yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Like, she's trying yeah. to participate. She's just doing that to feel like she's part of it. But exactly. she's clearly on the outside of the group that's huddling around Kennedy at her party, for example. Yeah. It, it, it'll it'll close up on her and she'll keep trying yeah, to say exactly. something, but no one's listening to her. There's that disconnect until the, the like, cute little date with Gabe. Mm-hmm. That disconnect was gone. Because I think that's the first time that someone was acting their own age. Right. Like, that's... Like, she finally met a person, and I'm not saying, oh, they're going to be in love and whatever, but no, she finally found a person who's a fucking 13-year-old. And I think you, you, what what we see with that is also her, um, I, this is obviously, like, kind of, because Gabe kind of comes in out of nowhere again by the mm-hmm. end of it, but earlier on in the movie... She's trying to interact with him, and there's, like, no connection because you can tell she just doesn't know. Because she's unsure of himself. And I think Kennedy, and I don't know what the fucking rapist pedophile guy's name is. We'll just call him... Um... Riley? No, Riley was the guy that was masturbating in class. Was it? Wait. No, hold on. Let me search up a picture of this guy. Oh, it might be. Uh, yeah, I think it might be. Daniels. Uh... Yeah, it's him. Okay, but Riley was also the name of the kid who was masturbating in class right before the title card showed That's up. That's the funniest scene, dude. <laughs> um, okay, if it isn't Riley and you're what and you're listening to this, it's Riley. Scene, I searched up the a picture of the actor. Okay, so Riley and Kennedy are opposites, and she has to go through like. Wait, sorry, Riley's. We're talking about the, the pedophile. Yeah, the pedophile okay, yeah. and Kennedy are opposites, and Kayla has to go through both before she realizes that Gabe is the kind of person she wants to be friend with, mm-hmm. friends with. And what I mean by opposite is 
Kennedy is a 13-year-old who acts like she's 20. Right. And Riley is like a 19-year-old who's preying on, you know, 13-year-olds. He's a fucking pedophile. Exactly. So they're both opposites in the sense that they don't fit what... they're. To put it simply, they're not acting their age. Mm-hmm. Kennedy's acting like a stuck-up, you know... Like what a middle schooler thinks you should be when you're older. Exactly. And, you know, Riley is... You could argue that the whole fucking pedophile thing is, is like a... Is him you know, internally being younger. And um, and she goes through both of those, experiencing the same kind of disconnect, but, you know, to varying degrees, of course. And then you come full circle. You come back to Gabe... This kid who's completely... Well, you don't see a lot about his character in the movie, so I'm just assuming here. But he's portrayed as just innocent. He's just doing handstands, asking if you want to do a breath-holding contest, you know? Yeah. Um, he, he hits you. He slides into your DMs on Instagram and says, My name's Gab. I mean Gabe. <laughs> you know, he's just a 13-year-old. And yeah. when they sit down and they make these dumb Rick and Morty jokes while eating chicken nuggets. You know, she sits in the car with her dad afterwards and she says to him, that was fun. Yeah. I had a good time. And I'm pretty sure that's the first time she's ever said that. Non-sarcastically. Yeah, with some... To her dad. Being genuine. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely telling her dad, hey, that was a good time. And Mm. I thought that was... You know, there wasn't any music or score that was swelling. There wasn't... It was just two kids awkwardly bumbling to each other over chicken nuggets. Right. Yet it was so satisfying and beautiful. I think that also just encapsulates another facet of uh, being that young when you're trying to figure out who, who you kind of fit in with and also just like who's worth keeping relationships with or how you keep relationships with different people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you know, her and Gabe finally break that barrier and she finally finds the person that, or someone that is on the same wavelength as her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it just is another thing that, like, is so much a, a very uh, important experience as a kid is yeah. just those relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, the movie wasn't very long. It was about an hour and a half, and it was exactly as long as it needed to be, in my opinion. Yeah. It was so... I was never bored. I was never out of it in the movie. I was always fully with Kayla when she was going through these things. I was so fully immersed in the story, and it didn't drag on, but it didn't end too early, in my opinion. It Mm -hmm. ended right where it needed to be. I felt, okay, she's graduated. She's learned a thing or two. It's not like, oh, she's a better per Like, she's a... Well, no, she is a better person, but she's not a completely different person. It's not like, I'm... I'm, like, uh... I'm all grown up now and all my problems are gone. But the seeds are there for yeah. her to grow in high school. And that's, I think, what the second time Capsule represents that she mm-hmm. buries with her dad at the end of the movie. Yeah. Is... You know, I'm not there yet, but I will be. And like I... Th- planting the time capsule to me was symbolic of like planting a seed 
I also think that the fact that the movie doesn't really end on a note that that is completely resolved. No. It's really kind of um, representative of the fact that I don't think you there's never a, a solid resolution to ever like getting over an anxiety that no. you have or just like these these social weird things that everyone goes through they're never over you never get to a point where like oh once i'm at this age then i'll have it all figured out exactly that you know? that time will never come but this movie's about growth and yeah. i think that's it ends on a note of she'll continue to grow mm-hmm. and that's really in real life that's the happy ending yeah and uh it also bookends it really well it feels to me like the whole movie to me as I mentioned at the beginning, feels like a time capsule. Right. It opens with a close-up of her face as she's recording one of those videos, and it pulls out. And then it ends with the camera zooming in on her face while she's recording the video, and it ends on, like, the same frame. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just really... It's just such a tightly written movie, and everything about it conveys that sense that this is... This is a moment in time. Yeah. That, that's the best way to put it. It's just like a moment. You, you mm-hmm. see such a... It, it's just a very... A very eventful, but like um, important time in a, someone's coming of age and growth. Peeling away all of the veils that everyone puts up. Everyone goes through this shit. Mm-hmm. I, I do think what Bo Burnham did here was incredible. Yeah. To make a story that... I mean, for fuck's sake, there's a kid going... Gucci at the end of her videos, right? That's yeah. very much this moment in time. That's very much 2018. Right. Yet, this movie feels so universal. Mm-hmm. It feels so applicable to any person at any time. Because I think as much as... Yeah, sure. Putting up your... Your hand in an okay sign and saying Gucci, Gucci. That's a very specific thing. But I think every middle schooler has a, a thing. Gucci. A has thing. a thing that is that Gucci. Uh, send us an email at bowboyspodcast at gmail.com. What is your Gucci? Tell us what your Gucci is. Tell us what your Gucci is. And we'll is. read out our favorite ones on the next episode of the Box Office Boys. That is not a promise, but... Hey, if but we get an email, be, uh, bowboyspodcast at gmail.com, send us, your, send us your Gucci. Yeah, if we get even one, we'll read it out. Yeah, we promise will. Promise you. And we'll, we'll... And you know what? If you're the only one, we won't do this if there's more than one. Yeah. And you... you plug something we'll do that we'll promote whatever you're doing but if there's more than one then fuck it yeah so be the one be the one free free promotion here at the box office boys you're taking a kind of a gamble here but you know (laughs) 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 you might have them hey we want to help the community you know that's what we're all about yeah with our with our growing audience of i'm not gonna say exactly how many people we have listening but we got uh us. Many. <laughs> we have several some... listeners. <laughs> Various listeners. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Um. Uh, now I'm curious if there's anything you didn't like about this movie because I've been thinking, and we'll we'll go through this at the end. But I'm thinking of what I want to rate this movie. Yeah. You asked me when we finished watching it, and I was 
Like the I I thought it was very good, and I just needed to like think about it. And I think us talking it through has given us a chance. To... Yeah. Now, I have a really good idea of what I want to give it, but I can't think of anything bad about the movie right now. I mm-hmm. really can't. Yeah. I'm trying to think too, but I think there's. But a part of me that thinks that is because like, it's a very unconventional mm-hmm. film in its form, in its writing, in its portrayal, and even its topics. Yeah. So there aren't very many points of references mm-hmm. that I can, you know, relate this to. Like, oh, this movie is just like fucking whatever hereditary kung fu panda dude i don't know eighth grade was the kung fu panda of realistic depictions of (laughs) and kung fu panda is a very good movie Uh, (laughs) Uh, yeah man i i think that's what it is though it's like it i can't i just can't bring it to comparison with something off the top of my head you know but Um, you i i agree in terms of, uh, I guess, the form of this movie was pretty unique. But there are always... like You can compare this to other coming-of-age movies, and I think where other ones fall short is that they just don't feel as relatable and as real and as raw. I think this this movie is very personal, and it, it really... Because, it's, because you're not seeing this coming-of-age story from... An, Observer's perspective, it really just puts you in that moment that I really think everyone has, and that and you know that that's that up close and personal approach makes this a lot more unique than those other coming of age films. I can tell you this about eighth grade: not a single damn thing in this movie was romanticized. Oh no! Like nothing was given rose tinted uh, whatever. You know, yeah. this was. This was real to me. Right. This was as real as you could get. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, nothing was sugar-coated. It, as anything that was uncomfortable was made as uncomfortable and tense, you know, as it should have been yeah, for he, a middle schooler. Yeah, Bo, Bo didn't pull any punches. Yeah. That's why he's a B.O. boy. <laughs> not, not afraid to go the extra step. <laughs> That's the... That's the B.O. philosophy. You know That's what I'm the saying? B.O. way. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> this really was an incredible film. I can't stress that enough. Please yeah. go watch this if this is in a theater near you. Although we had to make a bit of a trek to get to this one. Yeah, I mean, our uh, our local theater only has a few auditoriums. And uh, eight of them are Avengers Infinity War still, so... <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we had to trek out, like, half an hour drive. But this place that we went to was so weird. It was so this, odd. like, plaza off of the highway, but it was hidden behind office buildings, so you couldn't see it from the highway? Yeah, you couldn't see it until you were, like, 500 meters away from the movie theater. And you had to be looking. Yeah. Like, you had to be... You have to have your eyes peeled, which no one's doing when they're driving on the highway. Hopefully, they're just looking at the road it's, yeah. and not, hmm, I wonder if I'll find a movie theater around here. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, oh, I'm it really was so odd. Movies. And it was this weird plaza, and there were like restaurants. But it was 
the the thing about it was it was tucked away behind like when, when we got to the parking lot it was the back of the movie theater and you had to go through this weird like side aisle you had to go all the way around and yeah. even then you couldn't see the entrance you had to get out of your car walk between two buildings there was like like a, a meter or two meter wide like alley yeah. that you had to walk through and then you're suddenly in this wide sweeping plaza there was like a dave and busters there There's dave and busters there's indoor skydiving there were restaurants there, there were like fancy italian restaurants there were burrito places there, there was, was an east sides there was an east side yeah, mario's there a mini golf it was like it was so <laughs> fucking surreal and it was so odd because because it was behind that movie theater and everything and all the buildings were were you know pr- pretty high not not like towers but they're just like you know three stories high maybe you couldn't see any of the office buildings behind or like really anything all you saw was the sky yeah all you saw was the sky it's like when you're at universal studios and they have like the hogwarts world like the diagonally thing and they made they do it on purpose so you can't see anything but the sky in the building so it's like whoa i'm actually in in jk rowling's fantasy world right it's like that yeah, we were in... But there's a Dave and Buster. <laughs> yeah. This, that really was, like, that's our Diagon Alley. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's Cineplex, too. The theater had 24 auditoriums. That was really... And then there was, like, an arcade... Like, a not just a regular, like, tiny arcade. There was, like, a lot of shit going on in that lobby. Yeah, when you... Th- there were, like, three different paths that led to, like... Oh, like auditoriums one through twelve, yeah. you know, thirteen through like sixteen, seventeen through twenty-four, yeah. and then when you went down the tunnel, it split again into like the other two halves. Like it was like going through an airport yeah. terminal. Like there, there are gates. This gates. This. It was like I've never been to a to like a regular ass movie theater that was. There that were big. so many fucking auditoriums. It was, and they had so many good movies playing. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, really long tangent, but the point is, if you have a magical movie plaza nearby that's playing eighth grade, or even just a normal movie theater, yeah. if you can watch this movie, please do so. Wait, I want to bring up one more thing about the plaza. It was dead. It was empty. Yeah, no one was there. <laughs> no one. Only the movie theater. And we we took a stroll around after we we finished the movie. It was like there was like a dozen old people. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and like I looked into the burrito place. One guy just sitting in there enjoying a burrito, and then we maybe saw like a group of people, in like in a dessert a, place. And yeah, in an ice cream shop or something. But that was it. There, were, it was. Yeah. So if you have that, <laughs> if you have that nearby, go go watch eighth grade. It's uh. Make sure there's no more than a dozen old people. But no yeah. less than half a dozen. Exactly. It, that's the only situation you can be in to fully enjoy this movie. And then, yeah, go see 8th grade. Yeah. And what's also nice about that theater was because there were so many auditoriums. Like, there's 24 auditoriums, remember? And there's, like, four people in the whole theater. Yeah. You know, there's four people split between 24 auditoriums. And so the... Uh, the the theater that was showing eighth grade was like empty. There was like two people in front of us, and that's it. Yeah, which um which was nice because we got good seats. We got there kind of late. Yeah, but um, I mean we were we didn't miss any of the movie. We I just we, we got there when trailers started. Yeah. yeah, so 
I think I'm ready to give eighth grade um, a rating. I don't know if you are. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm down. So like, all right, how how many how many gabes are you gonna give this movie? How many gabs? How many gabs, dude? <laughs> um, I'm giving this movie ten gabs out of ten. Perfect. That's a ten. Damn. Yeah. Giving the big old 10 gabs. Is that our first 10? That's our first 10 that isn't, um, that's actually a movie. Yeah. You gave Arcade that Fire's doesn't... performance that doesn't... That doesn't <laughs> a count. 10 out of 10, but that doesn't count. This is our first, like, that's, that's I think, the first movie that we've given a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So how many gabs are you giving this one? Um, I'll give it a 9.5 gabs out of 10. See, I almost gave it a 9.5, but the reason I gave it a 10 is I genuinely couldn't think of anything bad. Like, I'm not saying there wasn't, but I couldn't think of any. So, you know what? Heck it, you know? Yeah. 10 out of 10. Anyways, but I think you can tell from our ratings, it's up there. It's It's at least a 9. It's at least a 9. It's just, I saw so much of myself in Kayla, and I'm sure, like, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah, so did I. it, It just, it it attacks everyone at that like core anxious angsty like deep butterflies in your stomach thing and like you know as much as there's that millennial aspect to it it's still a you know it touches on the same same thing that everyone goes through and I think that's what makes it really special yeah if you want Bo Burnham to grab you by your fucking neck and yank you back into a nightmarish realm of middle school reality. It's eighth grade, dude. <laughs> Go check it out. Yeah. Um. I mean, hey, hey, Bo. We, hey, Bo. If if you uh, if you're listening to this, you uh, and you wanna come on and, and chat. You are the fourth bo boy. You are the fourth bo boy, and like, be being real. Tony and I are, are very, we, we really love your work, and this is like, you. it literally just, it really keeps getting better. Yeah, you are an amazing, amazing entertainer. Um, Bo, I know you're listening. Yeah. Don't you, pretend like you're not listening. Come on. Bo, we're, we're, you're the we're fourth like, box office boy. Yeah, you, you have to be. Bo, come home. <laughs> Bo's in the house. <laughs> come on, Bo. Like, you belong on this show. Yeah. You, you deserve it. I, <laughs> <laughs> After working so hard on this movie for the past few years, yeah, you deserve. You, you just, you just want to relax on, back at home on the Bo Boys podcast. You have our email. We've said it like eight times this episode. Yeah. Come on, Hit us you know up. if, if you got a Gucci, send it to us, <laughs> and we'll read. We'll promote your movie again, dude. We'll, we'll do another episode. We'll on do this a movie. whole season. We'll do. <laughs> we'll do a whole season of the box office boys on this movie if you come on the show. Yeah, that's a promise. And then we'll we'll do specials like we'll we'll, we'll go back to make happy. We'll go back to what? Yeah. You know, <laughs> we'll we'll make this the bow office show. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> bow office. I don't know, man. <laughs> the box off the bow office boys. Bow office boys. Bow burner boys. Bow office boys. Freebies. Boob. <laughs> right yeah we'll make it boob yeah make it boob bo make hashtag make it boob guys let's get that let's get that rolling get that trending yeah get that out there and if you pass 
first of all, we'll be disappointed. And second of all, um, shout out to the fifth box office boy, B.O.B. <laughs> uh, because he's have... literally just, B- he, he is the box office. Yeah, B.O.B. stands for box office boys. He's the true box office boy. So, B.O.B., if you want to come on the show, we can talk about Flat Earth and whatever the hell you want to talk about. Yeah. Well, I mean... I don't know if you're in any movies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's search this up. I, I want to see, like, you know, he's he's at that point in his career where, like, he may as well be in movies, you know? Um, American rapper, singer, songwriter, and record producer. Okay. No filmography. All right. Well, I mean, we could review, like, the Airplanes music video <laughs> with Haley Williams. And Haley Williams from Paramore, if you want, if you want to hit up the box office boys, we need some uh, gender diversity. We need a box podcast. office girl. Yeah, we need a big old bog. Now, pretty much, let's just to save time. If you have any degree of fame, you're welcome onto this <laughs> show. Just hit us up. If you're yeah, if you're known by anyone outside of your circle of friends yeah your circle of friends and your family that's something we'll take it yeah we'll we'll take you like honestly (laughs) it just you have our email yeah and Bo come on man yeah you know you know you know me man you know us (laughs) (laughs) you you (laughs) Thank you.